0: Welcome to Dr. Suzanne Howard's audio play. Thank you for downloading and I pray you are truly blessed. To get more information on Dr. Suzanne Howard's ministry, feel free to visit www.suzannemhoward.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Let it. All right, you guys are popping in, hoping you can hear me. Made some changes again, so I'm hoping that y'all can hear me. Let me go and adjust my lighting while y'all put up if you can hear me or not. See if this makes the picture clearer. Woof. Good evening. Yes, we can. Thank you, Ashley. That's what I wanted to know. I'm going to pop you up here tonight. Yes. Awesome. Very good. Get back up here. Awesome, Look at that. What's up, Alan? How are you? Hello, hello, hello. as' people saying hello. Just what I want to hear from y'all. Hello, everybody. Ooh. All right. There we go. Now I can see. All right. Joe Brown, let me post you up there. What's up, Uncle Joey? Good to see you on. Cheers to you with some good old lemonade. He's the Apostles House member in Chicago. He's in Chicago. He's our online family member. Very good. Thank you, Darlene Henry, for telling me that Coast is clear. Everyone can hear me. Welcome. Yes, to the intro. That's my intro from five years ago, Erica. And um, I couldn't get an app to play it except for um, Switcher. But Switcher had me using a whole lot of phones, iPad, desktop, uh, all kinds of gadgets I was using. And now I don't have to. That's right. Say hello to Uncle Joey. Leah said hello. (laughs) <laughs> Beautiful. That's right, John Booker. Hello, Joe Brown. He has been in our lay counseling class from the little bit we have shared. He has an amazing life testimony, as most of us do, because by the time we come to Christ, it's like, what could possibly be next after all that I've done and lived through? Amen. Actually, 150 miles south of Chicago. Amen. Beautiful. It's our brother. That's our brother. And look, everyone's saying hello to him. Good evening. Welcome, Joelle. That's right, Yolanda Dawson. If we're ever that way, we have safety. We have a brother out that way. Elder Manny, God bless you. Pastor Kareem. Good morning. Good morning. Good evening, Anya. That's right. Elder Eliza, Cheryl Wilberg, all the way from Tulsa. Jeanette. Good evening. Good evening. Awesome, guys are looking good. Good evening, Edith Sylvia. A lot of y'all who have been shut in the house due to this pandemic and haven't been able to uh, assimilate um, an assembly with the people of God. Uh, it's good to see you on this. Is this is a minor connection, but I yet I can feel the unity. That's right. Will, God bless you. Welcome on. Yolanda Dawson, very good. Rosa, Roxanne, greetings. I see my coaches are on. Good evening. So I hope that you all have heard back regarding your assessments. Now, I waited till Friday to bring it up because I didn't want my coaches. Ah, yes, Jessica. Yep. I didn't want my coaches to get um, inundated with everyone saying, I haven't heard, I haven't heard, I haven't heard if I asked you soon. I had given them a deadline to start, which was within three days of every time the assessments come in. So the assessments again are taken on Mondays and you should start hearing back from them by Wednesday of that week up through Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you should have some correspondence from them. And in the correspondence, Good. People are saying yes. Thank you, Latanya. In the correspondence, it should tell you if you'd like to discuss it a little further to get a little further clarity. Um, you can email us back, and we'll set up a time. And at the end of these thirty days, if you're interested in pursuing this further, where you want monthly accountability, you want monthly support, you want monthly advice and counsel and coaching. Um, We are available for that, and we're going to offer you that, and we're going to offer it to you monthly at a very, 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 very special coaching plan. Because after your commitment to this, you deserve something to carry out this journey. Remember, this is not over January 31st. This begins February 1st because we have an agenda, and we're moving according to that agenda and we're traveling at the, what is it? The light of sound, the speed of sound. How does it go? We're traveling at the speed of sound. And um, so, you know, walking your 30 minutes or, or whatever heart rate uh, exercise you can do for 30 minutes every day. We're doing 30 for 30. Good evening, Pastor Val Williams uh, is very important during this time, but uh, the flesh does not want you to succeed. The flesh loves to be in enmity with what God has planned and purposed and predestined for your life. So we are offering some coaching services to you. You can get as much as you want in one month, but what I'm gonna put in place for you that I will share on January 31st is one session a month at a very, very, very good price that you will probably never get again. And we will continue on the journey with you to self love, um, you will continue some different assessments. We will give you some soul work to do. You will report in on your soul work. Um, we're going to, uh, if you need counseling outside of us, we're going to refer you to some very, very um, um, faithful, committed, uh, licensed counselors, uh, psychiatrists, or or a sociologist, whatever you need for your psychotherapy. If um, we have detected already that there's some suicidal information going on, you will be contacted. Hopefully we can reach you because we have to handle those matters. Anything not in those realms, we are going to work with you for the remainder of this year or for the remainder of your career or for the rest of your life if you need to make sure that you don't stop here. This does not end on January 31st. This begins February 1st. Amen. So greetings. God bless you. Good to see everyone on tonight. So who got their 30 in today? Who got their 30 in today? If you did, post your A's. If you didn't, go ahead and put up your F. It's okay. This is to bring life to you. That's what we're doing here. We're bringing you into self-love, but we also have to make you accountable because usually if you don't love yourself you are not accountable to yourself. You're not accountable to God. You're not accountable to your religious organizations, your faith. You're not accountable to anyone. You're not accountable to yourself. You struggle with it because you don't see the importance of accountability because you don't think much of yourself. So put your A up. If you did it, give yourself that F. I'm not going to give it to you uh, because I'm your coach. I'm the one that would help you work from the F to the A. But for yourself, just being honest and accountable. If you did not walk, put up your F. And if you did put up your A and bravo to everyone who's still on here with us and is committed to the 30 days. Can you believe we have 23 left? That's not a lot. You have 23 left. Okay. I don't see y'all posting up here anymore. It just stopped with one person. Y'all not going to be truthful tonight. We're going to get free. Push up your A or push up your F. Let's go. It's more of y'all on here than I have answered. Does it bother you to have to post that? Mm, Then I would definitely recommend some continued coaching with us. That's right. Very good. Awesome. All right. I'm going to um, indulge us again because y'all are the special VIP people. So I'm going to indulge us again and I'm going to read uh, another piece of a chapter from my book. And I'm going to read tonight from chapter chapter eight. And I'm going to read the sources of low self-esteem. How did I get like this? How did I get like this? We can blame it on the devil and we can blame it on our parents. We can blame it on genetics But guess what? This is how I deal with my clients when I'm in coaching. Up to 18 years of age, your parents were responsible for you. After the age of 18, you are responsible for you. So the damage is done. And though the cleanup may be on you, you still have a responsibility and accountability to yourself. So I ask the question. How old are you in addition in math. If you were to take away your current age from age 18, what's that remaining number? If you're 36 and you take away 18, you have 18 years that you could have done something about what you've done. What has happened to you? What was done to you? Who denied you leadership? Who denied you parentship? Who denied you uh training and skills and education get it out get it out get it out but now we cannot stay there because it is no longer someone else's responsibility even if you did not cause this you have a responsibility to clean it up because it's your life ian not going to come in here and fix your life you are going to fix your life and prayerfully you know the lord jesus christ By the leading and guiding and intercession and the greatest teacher of all times, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and guide you and love you through this season of getting your life back on track. Amen. So let me read this to you. How did I get like this? That's not part of the title, but that's what I'm entitling it tonight for us. The title is The Sources of Low Self-Esteem. Number one. Are you all ready? That's right. Dawn Johnson. Let me put that up there. I like that. She quoted it. How did I get like this? Come on. Because tonight, if you need to blame somebody, I want you to blame them. I want you to get it out. I want you to work through forgiveness. And I want us to be able to move into the season of I'm going to clean up the mess that has been made with my life because no one is responsible to love me more than I do. No one should be expected to love me more than I do. You are not entitled to having people love you more than you love yourself. And that's why we're getting back to our health. Because if you really love you, like you say you love you, it's got to be proven on the outside for you, not for anyone else. All right. All right. Let me read this chapter. How did I get like this? Number one disapproving authority figures, disapproving authority figures. If you grew up hearing that whatever you did wasn't good enough, how are you supposed to grow into an adult with positive self image? If you were criticized, no matter what you did or how hard you tried, it becomes difficult to feel confident and comfortable in your own skin later the shame forced on you for perpetually failing can feel blindingly painful even into adulthood number two uninvolved or preoccupied caregivers how did i get like this uninvolved or preoccupied caregivers it's difficult to motivate yourself to want more strive for more and imagine that you deserve more when your parents or other primary caregivers didn't pay attention. As if your greatest achievements weren't worth noticing. This scenario often results in feeling forgotten, unacknowledged and unimportant later. It can also leave you feeling that you are not accountable to anyone or you may believe that no one in the here and now is concerned about your whereabouts when that's a carryover feeling from the past. Feeling unrecognized can result in the belief that you are supposed to apologize for your very existence. Hmm. Number three, how did I get like this? Number three. Authority figures in conflict. Authority figures in conflict. If parents or other caregivers fight or make each other feel bad, children absorb the negative emotions and distrustful situations that they have had modeled for them. It's scary, overwhelming, and disorganizing. This experience can also occur when one parent is deeply distraught or acts predictably around the child. When you were subjected to excess conflicts between authority figures, it can feel as if you contributed to the fights or a parent's painful circumstance. Intense conflicts are experienced as extremely threatening, fear driving, and you may believe you caused it. This feeling of being tainted can be carried into adulthood. How did I get like this? Number four, bullying with unsupportive parents in your life. Bullying with unsupported parents in your life. If you had the support of a relatively safe, responsive, aware family, you may have had a better chance of recovering and salvaging your self-esteem after having been taunted and bullied as a child. If you already felt unsafe at home and the torture continued outside the home, I wish this book was ready for the bullying within the family, but that'll have to be number two. If you already felt unsafe at home and the torture continue outside home, the overwhelming sense of being lost, abandoned, hopeless and filled with self loafing pervaded your life every day. It can also feel like anyone who befriends you is doing you a favor because you see yourself as so damaged or if you think that anyone involved in your life must be predatory and not to be trusted. Without a supportive home life, the effects of bullying can be magnified and miserably erode the quality of your life, even into adult life. Number five, bullying with over supportive parents. Parenting is no joke. Parenting is no joke. Now we have bullying situation. This time with over supportive parents. Conversely, if your parents were overly and indiscriminately supportive, it can leave you feeling unprepared for the cruel world. You hear this? Overly supportive. You're just making big baby boys out of your sons and entitled brats, princesses out of your girls. Because you are over-supporting them in the areas that they need to learn critical life lessons. It's okay. It's just a boo-boo on the knee. They can put the Neosporin and the Band-Aid on themselves. Back away. Teach them. Influence them. Talk to them. Show them that you're there to support them. But being over-supportive parents is injuriously damaging their adult life. If your parents were overly and indiscriminately supportive, it can leave you feeling unprepared for this cruel world. Without an initial cause to develop a thick outer layer, it can feel challenging and even shameful to view yourself as unable to withstand the challenges of life outside the home. From this perspective, you may feel ill-prepared and deeply ashamed to admit this dirty, ugly secret about you, even to your parents, because you need to protect them from the pain they would endure if they knew. Instead, you hide the painful secret of what's happened to you. Shame can cloud your perspective. Eventually, it can seem as if your parents' opinion of your conflict with the world's opinion of you. It can compel you to cling to what is familiar in your life because it's hard to trust what's real and what isn't. You may question the validity of your parents' positive view of you and default to the idea that you are not good enough or are victim-like and should be the subject of ridicule. This is real stuff. Uh, Number. Yes. Oh, yes. Very, very good. Um, Number six. I forgot I did this one. I thought I left it out. Number six, bullying with uninvolved parents. The first one was unsupportive, oversupportive, now uninvolved. If your primary caregivers were otherwise occupied while you were being bullied and downplayed your experience, or they let you down when you needed their advocacy, you might have struggled with feeling undeserving of notice, unworthy of attention, and angry at being shortchanged. When the world feels safe, shame and pain are brutal. These feelings can also be evoked if parents were in transitional or chaotic states so that what happened to you wasn't on anyone's radar. If there's chaos at home, it can be hard to ask for attention or to feel like there is room for you to take up space with their struggles, not to add yours. Instead, you may retreat and become more isolated and stuck in shame and shame grows with you. Number seven, academic challenges without caregiver support. You see when this started? It started when you absolutely had, you were powerless and not in control of your own life. Academic challenges. There's nothing like feeling stupid to create low self-esteem. If you feel like you didn't understand what was happening in school, as if you were getting further and further behind without anyone noticing or stepping in to help you, figure out what accommodations you needed. You might have internalized the belief that you are somewhere defective. I'm going to skip the rest of that paragraph, I'm going to go to number eight, which is about trauma. Physical, sexual, emotional abuse may be the most striking and overt causes of low self esteem. Being forced into a physical and emotional position against your will can make it very hard to like the world, trust yourself, or trust others, which profoundly impacts self esteem. It may even feel like it's your fault when that couldn't be further from the truth. Obviously, in these scenarios, there is so much going on at one time that you might need to check out. Do you have a check out mentality as an adult now? Disassociate or even disappear. It can make you feel like nothingness to gain control of your circumstances. In your head, you may have convinced yourself that you were complicit or even to blame going to skip the rest of that paragraph. You'll get it when you read the book. Number nine, your belief system. If you grew up in a a strictly religious family or other belief systems that put you in a position of feeling as if you are perpetually sinning, it can be similar to the experience of living with disapproving authority figures. Whether the judgment is emanating from authority figures or an established belief system in your life, it can evoke shame, guilt, guilt, Conflict and self loafing. I'm going to skip the rest of that. Number 10, society and the media. Society and the media can have a lot to do with self esteem for your children and even us as adults. It's no secret that people in media are packaged and earbrushed into unrealistic levels of beauty and thinness. It's an epidemic that's only getting worse. Now males and females alike feel that they can measure up to what's out there. Maybe the seeds of low self-esteem are sown elsewhere, but now society and media make imperfections so immediately accessible, there is no relief from feelings of inadequacy. As media access is available younger and younger, kids are subjected to these unfair comparisons earlier and earlier. I'm going to skip down a little bit. As an adult, when you examine your history, you can begin to see that in some cases, the derision or intense negative messages you encountered weren't necessarily meant for you. Rather, they flowed from circumstances of the people who delivered them. Boom. That perspective can help you to dilute the power of the negative messages about yourself you received and formed. Furthermore, understanding that you are not alone in your experience can help you decrease the extent to which you feel isolated and shameful. We even give some suggestions on how to repair your self-esteem and how to pull out of social media because it's making such an impression on you without you even knowing it and that's it that's all i'm going to deal with from that chapter so that was my gift to you tonight that was a secret don't tell anyone about it i don't want to give it away to everybody how are you doing tonight how's things working out for you are you blessed are you excited with what god has started in your life since this january 2nd huh a lot going on in the world but yet you saw right? That you can make it through it. A lot going on in society, but you realize there's just some battles that are not yours, but they are the Lord's. How are you doing today? I want to go over chapter one with us again. I just want to relive this every few days, and then we'll get right into where we were heading, where I mentioned on last night. Very good. Why self-esteem? How fortunate is the person with self-esteem. There is general agreement that self-esteem is central to good mental and physical health. While self-dislike degrades health and performance, self-dislike appears to contribute to a list of things from depression to addiction, including alcohol, drugs, gambling, eating disorders, shopping disorders, food disorders, poor communication, Promiscuity, dependency, sensitivity to criticism, social difficulties, poor performance in life and work, a preoccupation with problems, criminality, spousal and child abuse, entering into abusive or unhappy relationships. We talked about this the other night. this was very powerful. I don't know if you caught it, but the statement I just made says entering into abusive or unhappy relationships. Why? Why is that a possibility if I'm suffering with low self-esteem or no self-esteem? It's important because most of the time, if we are at a time in our life or we have been living with low self-esteem, we can confuse someone's kindness for love. We can confuse um, someone's general offering friendship to us as love. We can date abusers and um, sickles and psychos and all kinds of things. We can take into our homes and our lives, date them, even marry them because your esteem is so low that you misinterpret one scenario for love. Who am I talking to tonight? Anybody been there? we can misinterpret a different communication as love because our esteem is so low. So we have to watch for that. low self-esteem is one of the main triggers for depression, depression. We have to watch depression. Are we really depressed over what we're thinking we're depressed about? Or is our esteem so low that we cannot handle the simple trials and temptations that come to us in life because our esteem is just too low. There's not enough oil in the bucket. There's not enough water in the well. There's not enough in us. We can manage with what we have on a good day, but when it's not a good day, and how many know most days are not a good day, or at least we have to be open to the fact that we could have a couple bad days a year, that if you don't have the proper level of self-love in you, these little things, these little mohills can become mountains to someone's life who has low self-esteem, low self-love. That's powerful, isn't it? Why is it that five people can go through the same devastating, traumatic incident and everyone have a different response to it? Does anyone remember? Because of how we process the thoughts. We talked about automatic thoughts last night they, they just come on The Dr. Phil called them labels and tapes. Do you remember when we did the self matters a couple years ago, these thoughts, they just keep getting us and getting us and getting us. So because I'm using myself, not personally as an example, but I'm just using a, a metaphor here. Um, because I was raised, um, pretty functioning household. It wasn't chaotic and traumatic. Um, I was given affection and attention and I was taught when it was time to learn to handle some things on my own and take some responsibilities and handle some issues on my life. So I wasn't coded overprotected oversupported. that when trials come, my mind will go to a place that says, Oh, we went through something similar to this before we can get through this again. Cause remember our consciousness goes to the subconsciousness and looks for a familiar memory and that memory says oh you've been through something like this before and we made it oh okay so you're sitting there saying man i really just don't feel like going through this right now but i'm i'm going to get through this why because your automatic thoughts had some memory to connect to you that you have gone through a suffering or a scary or fearful or powerless or a lack of control situation before so that means you can do it again when you oversupport your children they don't see where they can handle situations when they're out of your house and they're gonna get laughed at for calling you and asking you for help by their friends and they have to figure things out on their own. It's gonna be very scary, very terrifying for them because they have no memory to retreat to that tells them you've been cared for, you have a great family, they're there to support you, you've been through situations before and you're gonna go through this situation and you're gonna get through it again. What, what's this, what's the song we sing that if God has done it before he's going to do it again that's a very good memory to have but when you've been oversupported and you don't have that memory in your life it can be a little terrifying for you so understand that it's all about the thinking it's all about the thinking so depression can come out of just self-love you just had a problem and that's it you can you can fix it but for someone who's lacking in that area, they don't understand that it can be fixed. Amen. All right. So let's move further tonight. And we dealt with the intrinsic self, how essential and how the core of who you are is very important. And she, wisdom, has a lot to say. We talked last night about to we were recognizing and working towards replacing self-defeating thoughts, self defeating thoughts and um, automatic thought distortions, automatic thought distortions and self-defeating thoughts. We started with assuming, assuming, recognizing self-defeating thoughts. If you are an assumer, if you take the time to assume things way too often than finding out the facts, you are operating in self defeating thoughts if you um live in shoulds and musts and oughts you know i should have done this it was my fault because i must have done this oh i i ought to have done this if you live in that that's another self-defeating thought if you have the fairy tale fantasy going on for you self Defeating thoughts. Come on, say it with me. If you have the all or nothing thinking, I thought of a lot of y'all. And it's not that I don't think of myself. The the preacher has to go through, the word goes through the preacher first. If not, you have to be reprobate. I don't know how you can bring such teaching and education to people um, or preaching through such an anointing and that two-edged sword doesn't cut through your bone and marrow. You, You have to be reprobate. So even though I've taught this before on a one-on-one basis, and I have gone through this on my own with my coaches, it still cuts because there's always more in us that needs to be brought out. And I thought of a lot of you with this all or nothing thinking, when you fall short of your own standards, your own standards, you conclude that you are a total failure as a person. If you don't get 90 or more, you conclude that you are a failure, self-defeating thoughts, an all or nothing personality. We talked about the overgeneralizer. I was listening to a show today and the little sister says, my whole family always picks on me all the time. The entire family picks on me all the time. Every one of them all the time. Overgeneralizing. Overgeneralizing. Be very careful with over-generalizing. Talk it out with yourself before you go to someone. Because when you come to me, I, I don't want you to say, Well, I don't want to tell you who, then why are you telling me anything at all? Because you everybody does this to me. Everybody in the church, all of the leaders, everyone in my family. Come on, baby, have a seat. Because this thing has gotten you so overwhelmed. You are over-generalizing. And you know what's amazing? Most times when we have this this table talk together, we find out that the folks that are overgeneralizing, when it comes down to it, it's usually one person. And then when they really deal with the conclusion of that person, it's really them. It's something inside of them that they haven't dealt with. So this incident or this one person ends up being the straw, per se, that broke the camel's back. Be very careful with overgeneralizing. Journal, write it out. It wasn't everybody. It was this person and it was this situation and I probably could have handled it differently. Um, I probably should have done something different. Even though they didn't talk to me right, this conversation would never have been necessary had I done what I was supposed to do, had I been a man or a woman of my word, had I been accountable to what I had signed up for. Whatever the scenario can be, write it out so you can take that Google map and look at the whole earth, zoom in to a certain side of the continent, zoom in to a certain side of the globe, zoom in, end up to be in another state, zoom in again, hit that city, baby, zoom in again, hit that, that city, hit the state, then hit the city, zoom in again and get on a street. Let's get on the street of the situation that's taking you out because that's where you leave room for the automatic thought distortion and it takes you out. It's an enemy. And it takes you out. The enemy doesn't even have to show up spiritually in our lives. You know why? Because he knows these tapes are already pre-recorded in us. And just like a voicemail. Hi, sorry, I'm not home. I'm the failure right now because every time I failed class when I was little, no one appreciated me and no one looked at my report cards. So every time I do something now and it's not good enough, I hear the tape from my elementary school years where I'm a loser and I'm just no good. It's an automatic tape, just like a voicemail. Watch over generalizing. We talked about labeling. Be very careful with labeling. I'm such a loser. I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I'm boring. Be very careful. Even if you th- throw it out as a joke. I know some people throw it out as a joke for conversation. And they want people to say, no, you're not. No, you're not. I just kind of look at them and I size up like, what is going on in your mind that at your age, you've throwing out comments like this about yourself, like something I'm, I'm not even lost in the comment that they said. I'm lost in what's behind the reasoning for saying something like that. Dwelling on the negative, drum roll. This is where we are tonight. Dwelling on the negative. Are you ready? Suppose you go to a party and notice that a guest has dog poop on his shoe. (laughs) Go to a party and you notice that a guest has dog poop on his shoe. The more you think about it, the more uncomfortable you get. When you experience this distortion, you focus on the negative aspects of a situation while ignoring the positive aspects. Soon, the whole situation looks negative. Other examples include, how can I feel good about the day now that I have been criticized? How do I take back my power for today? How can I enjoy life when my children have problems? How can I feel good about myself when I make mistakes? The steak is burnt. The meal is ruined. A solution to this habit is to re-examine your options. Write it down. Re-examine your options. The solution, I'm giving you a solution. The solution to dwelling on negative situations to all our dwellers and to those that have been told you're so negative or you tend to dwell on a negative or you get so sucked into the negative that it takes you so long to come back out from that place. What's up with you? What is the answer to that? What's the solution to that? Reexamine your options. There's always options to reexamine. Thank you, Pastor D. Thank you, Pastor Sandra. Thank you, Minister Yolanda. Very good. Reexamine your options. Would I enjoy things more and feel better about myself if I choose a different focus? What pleasing things could I still find to enjoy? What would I like? What would I think on a good day? If this situation didn't happen, today would have been a good day. What would I think on a normally good day? Re-examine your options. How would someone with sound self-esteem view this situation? And you should literally get on the phone or text, however you chat, however you communicate, and ask someone. Ask them. Say this is happening to me today. Please don't laugh at me because it's so foolish and I'm being so vulnerable right now. I'm being so serious. Tell them I'm being so serious right now. I'm I'm being completely vulnerable right now. How I think of you as someone that has high self-esteem and and I, and I could be wrong. I don't want to put pressure on you, but the way I experience you. Your esteem seems to be working in a higher level that I think I can come to you and ask if this particular situation happened to you, let me tell you about my day. How would you view this situation? How would you view it? They're much more calmer. They have a much more realistic outlook on the future. And they're quicker to find solutions because fear and panic didn't show up in their thoughts. So talk to someone who you believe has a higher self-esteem. No no one's perfect. So if you look for perfection, then you're you're, you're probably about eight or 10 years old in your maturity. You're not going to find perfection. And trust me, you don't want perfection. You want someone who's been true. You want someone who's gone through something so they can tell you how they gain their self-esteem and how they spend more time enjoying life than being stuck in a cave of depression or a bed or having all this sickness in their body because they don't dwell on the negative. They look for, what is it? Examining of other options. Really, really good. What's the next thing? Rejecting the positive. This same person will reject the positive. The dwelling on the negative distortion overlooks positive aspects. I remember I had some people in my office, different times of course, And I would give them a positive. Sometimes I would laugh like, oh my God, this is really what you're bringing to me today? Like what I'm dealing with right now while I'm helping you is not even close to what I'm dealing with, but it doesn't matter because the automatic thought distortions could be worse for your situation that may seem minor to me than mine are in my life with extreme situations because you're working on building self-esteem. And I have built now a pretty healthy functioning self-esteem. So I'll give something positive and they'll just sit there like, it went right over their head because they made up their mind that they're going to feel bad about this. They made up their mind that they're not going to be able to forgive themselves with this. They've made up their mind that they're not going to forgive the other person with this situation. They are intoxicated with negativity. So even when you are bringing a solution based example to them or solution-based scenario to them, or sometimes you even offer help to them. They cannot even hear you with their natural ears. Why? Because the distortion that they have now entered in through those automatic thoughts prevents them and causes them to overlook the positive. That's why it's urgent that you start working on your thoughts. However, when we reject the negative, when we reject the positive, we actually negate positives so that our self esteem remains low. And we talked about maintenance, maintenance drugs, maintenance conversations. This is a maintenance to low self esteem, rejecting the positive. Stop rejecting the positive. You have the power to control the destination of your mind. You really do. Do you understand that something extremely traumatic can happen to you and you can decide, I'm just not dealing with this today and literally not deal with it because you're dictating to your feelings. This is not what I'm going to deal with today. And everybody's looking at you like, you don't care. I really can't care what you think about me right now. I've got to survive. I've got a lot going on. I'm doing a lot of personal work on myself and I just can't, I'm just not going to deal with it. Just not going to deal with it. You really, 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 really honestly can reset your mind that I'm just not dealing with it today and not deal with it. Or you deal with it But instead, you decide, I'm not freaking out over this. The whole family's freaking out. Everybody's calling you on the phone, and they're just building you up, building you up with all their negativity, building you up with all the things that they're going through. They're just calling and texting. and They just want to get you to the level that they are at. And you just decide, you know what? I'm not taking any more calls today. I'm blocking, turning off my phone, because I'm not going to feed into the negativity. I am choose to control the destination of my mind. I'm not going to respond this way. I knew Uncle Harry died. Uncle Harry was my favorite uncle. Bless the Lord, Uncle Harry was 93 years old. Uncle Harry lived a very long life. So I choose not to mourn and scream and fight for things. I choose to celebrate Uncle Harry's life. How long have we known people was going to die? From the moment we born, that ticker starts towards death. Why do we always get so sick in our minds and go such deep mourning? We don't even have to go that way. We truly, truly do not. Now there are some deaths that can rock your world. Absolutely. But if you got someone that lived a very long life and you like, oh, I, I, I can't believe they died. Really? Wow. You don't meet people often, do it? You? you don't see that uh, we are pretty blessed to have him on this earth this long that he's been here. Not to say that it's not going to hurt. And you're not going to mourn. I'm talking about freaking out. I'm talking about when you have to freak out over things like this. You do not. So you consult someone that you believe is working this new self-esteem in their life and you consult them now how should i respond because my family I've, i've met a lot of people that are like they're pretty mature or they've learned through church how to handle certain things but that crazy family will call them and have them jacked up about how they should feel about a situation rejecting the positive is dangerous rejecting the positive is dangerous when we reject the positive we actually negate positives so that our self-esteem remains low. We're, we're, We're giving it maintenance. For example, let's say someone compliments your work. You reply, oh, it was really nothing. Anyone could do that. By saying this, you discount the fact that you've worked long and effectively. It's no wonder accomplishments aren't fun anymore. You could just as easily have replied, thanks, And told yourself, I do deserve special credit for doing this difficult and boring task. You would give a loved one or a friend credit when it's due. Why not do yourself the same favor? Let me tell you something religiously that we've done. You ever give someone a compliment in church or, or, or let's just say a church individual. Let's just not going to say a kingdom individual or saved or an apostolic, just a church individual, which means their mindset is really just on church. They haven't evolved into relationship yet. Very religious and every, everything they say, share or do. They probably got a Jesus ear freshener and everything. they Just very religious, just very devout to their religion. Right. Have you ever met someone pretty close to that? And then. You give them a compliment. You say, wow, you really blessed us today with that song. Ah, oh, don't give me the compliment. The glory goes to God. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, we're believers. So yeah, he's the center of what we do, but he's anointing you with a voice and I'm acknowledging your voice, sister so-and-so. Don't make me feel bad for giving you a compliment. Um, or you say, hey, sister so-and-so, um, you know, thank you for doing this for me. Don't thank me, thank the Lord. All right, church people. Well, what, what is this thing that God doesn't want y'all to get compliments? What, what, what is this thing where, you know, he's got to get all the credit. He's this big Oz and this narcissist where he's pulling all these levers. Give me the credit or you're going to go to hell for this. You know what the Holy Spirit said to me one day? When someone acknowledges something that you have done, or something that you have been gifted with, acknowledge their thank you and tell them thank you very much. Then you acknowledge me for what I've done for you. Do not dishonor someone who's taken the time to tell you they appreciate you or how great you you performed or how great you led worship today or how great the preaching or the teaching was. Super deep. Hallelujah. That's it right there. He, he, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And said, don't you do that. You make people feel bad for giving you compliments. He said, what in me does not appreciate the world giving my image a compliment? When they compliment you, if you are in me, Suzanne, they're complimenting me. The order in which we should do this is give someone a compliment, but you staying humble on it. Say, God, I thank you for anointing me with that voice. God, I thank you. For anointing me to preach, God, I thank you for giving me such a gift to encourage. I thank you for giving me a pure heart that I care and I truly love about people. You don't, um, oh, God gets all the glory. Whoa, okay, well, tell God for me because I don't have a relationship with Him, I don't know where your God is. I mean, come on, y'all, this is bizarre. And you know where we get this stuff from? When you're fasting, do not tell your neighbor because he who announces his fast has already gotten it. This has nothing to do with somebody complimenting you. I'm in Christ. So everything I do, he gets the glory, but I don't need to send it back to the sender. Thank you very much. God bless you. I give the glory to God. And don't just say it. I don't even say that I give the glory to God. When I have my prayer time with the Lord or my talk with him in the morning, my meditation in the car with him, I'll say, God, I just thank you. That compliment somebody gave me today, my self-esteem was really feeling low this last week and my self-confidence took a real big hit with this nasty thing somebody said to me and I really needed that compliment today and I didn't mean to steal your glory. He said, steal my glory. My glory is in you. My glory is in my people. I made you in my image and in my likeness and the world should compliment you. The world should be in awe. That's my curriculum when I teach on who am I. Wonderfully made mean you should awe people when you show up. I'm in the image and the likeness of God. You should be at all of me, A-W-W or A-W-E. You should be in awe of what God has given me to present to the earth. But the glory goes to God from me. Don't return a compliment to sender. It's help, it's, it's hurtful. Thank you, Elder Bonner. It's hurtful. I thank you, sis. I thank you. I love the Lord. I just thank you. You know, just find a way to be normal. Find a way to just talk to people normally. And when you get into your time with God, you let like, God, I glorify you. I honor you. I bless you. But don't, don't do that to people. People, are they're trying to find a way to talk to you. They're trying to find a way to have conversations with you. And you, know, you up there making them feel bad for giving you a compliment. Okay? We're not talking about people who need excessive compliments every time they lead in any kind of assignment because they're suffering low self-esteem. We're talking about those who are rejecting the sender when God is sending people to tell you how much they see him in you, even if they don't know it's him. Okay. Even today I laughed. My husband said to me, Um, I don't know if it was today or yesterday. He said to me, Um, you're looking really good today. You could tell that you've been getting more sleep. You're looking refreshed. And I said to him, What? And he said to me, You looking really good today. And I looked at him, I said, I don't even have my makeup on. And right away the, the revelation came up from these seven days. Ah uh, ah. Uh, uh. You acting as someone with low self-esteem, he's complimenting you. He doesn't even care whether you have makeup on. To him, you look good. What is your response? Then I went over there and grabbed his little goatee and I said, thank you, baby, for the compliment. I needed it today. I'm moving so fast with my work that I was thinking about. I didn't, I went out today and ran all these errands and I forgot to put makeup on when I ran out and that was on my mind. So when you complimented, I look nice and I responded back, but I'm not even dressed today or I don't even have makeup on. That was the wrong thing to do and I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get this thing to appreciate a compliment no matter what I feel like. Hallelujah. Hey, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, y'all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You could easily reply, thanks. That's all you got to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's practice it. Thank you. You don't have to say, oh, I only got this from, I bought this t-shirt from Walgreens. Oh, I only paid $5 for this. Oh, God gets all the glory. Oh, sis, don't give me glory. Give it to God. Thank you. Thank you. How about that? Can y'all say that? Thank you. Post it. Literally. Thank you. That's right. Thank you. How nice is that? Got to be so weird. We can't even give a compliment. We got to be so low in esteem. We can't even give a compliment. Unfavorable. Somebody posted something good, but these are going up so fast. I think it was uh, Jerry I saw that said it, missed it. That's right, Pastor Vale. Amen. Thank you. Just say thank you. If you are in God, the glory is in God. It's not being haughty or trying to get a prize now on the earth because you said thank you. We're so weary. Make it so difficult. Let's go. I got to hurry up and finish this up tonight. Y'all got me talking too much. Unfavorable comparisons. Unfavorable favorable comparisons. Suppose you had an unusual magnifying glass that magnified some things. I think we do, right? I think we do. Suppose you had an unusual magnifying glass that magnified some things like your faults and mistakes or the strengths of others and shrunk others, Ooh. like your strengths and the mistakes of others. So you got a magnifying glass and this magnifying glass magnifies, amplifies your faults, your mistakes, your, your um, the strength of others. It magnifies the strength of others and magnifies your faults and mistakes. And then on the other side of it, it shrinks your strength and it shrinks the mistakes of others. In comparison to others, you would always seem inadequate or inferior, always coming out on the short end of the stick. For example, you say to a friend, I'm only a housewife and a mother. Right now, you are looking with the magnifying glass and you are minimizing your strength. Jan's a rich, bright lawyer. Now you flip the magnifying glass over and you are magnifying another person's strength while you're minimizing yours. Your friend replies, but you're an excellent homemaker. You've been great with the kids. Look how your kids are coming out. Look at the time that you get to spend with your kids. Jan's an alcoholic lawyer to which you respond. Yes, but look at the cases she's won. Now you're maximizing the cases she won. She's the only one. She's the one who really contributes. There you go again, magnifying her strengths. A way to challenge this type of distortion is to ask, why must I compare? Write it down. Write it down now. I know y'all not even in the best seat in the house. You in the best bed in the house. Get up. Get your pen, your paper, or your smartphone and write it down. Now, um, let me look in your houses and see what's, who's listening tonight. It's Friday night. Y'all know I like to play. Write it down. Why must I compare. Why must I compare? Where is this coming from? Come on, write it down. Why? Why? And ask yourself when you get to work or you start looking on TV, you know, I've been really wanting to do some more things education wise, but i talk talked myself out of it. I don't want the student loans. I'm 50 something years old. I don't have the time to do it anymore. Right. <laughs> If God don't have a way to smack you in your face, how many of y'all watched the news this morning and saw that a great grandmother just got her college degree? I looked and I said, if I don't feel like today, a great grandmother, she went back and finished it. And I guess she was short some credits and um, they weren't going to let her graduate like on the virtual stage and um, the her children did a Zoom and got the Dean and one of her professors online to let her know that through the paper that she sent in to them, they're giving her the last seven credits that she needed and they're gonna let her graduate. You know what this great grandmother said? It's about time. She stood there with attitude. I earned it. I deserved it. I raised my kids. I took care of my husband. I helped take care of this home. I poured into my grandkids. My great grandkids are coming. I'm getting mine now. And she went back to college, y'all, with a great grandmother brain. So we got to get those neurons flowing, so that neuron can help the plasticity in our brains, so we don't get dementia and Alzheimer's and. All this fat and toxins on our brains that stop us from thinking and processing and overgeneralizing everything. If a great grandmother can do it, go get your certificate. Go get your, what what was the other thing we said tonight? Um, What was the other thing we said tonight? Finding other options. Find another option. If you really don't want the student loans and you don't want to spend all that time in school, you don't have to nowadays. In 2020, these millennials and generations, Xers or whatever they are now, these folks making it happen. So get what you want. Get what you want. What was the word I want to try to write down? Put it back up on the the screen again. Why must I compare? Stop comparing. That's the problem. The Bible calls it coveting. Stop it. It's not natural and it's unhealthy. Do I have to go back to the chapter in the Bible that taught us um, that as from a human being, the worth and the value that we have just as a human being, you came out the gate with an A. Now you can bring it down to an F or you could keep that A up. But God sent us all out here with A+. Why must I compare? Stop comparing. Why can't I just appreciate that each person has unique strengths and weaknesses? Another's contributions are not necessarily better, just different. I want to read one more before I end it. Um, I know we hit an hour just now, but we'll do this one. Personalizing, and then we'll end it for tonight. Y'all got time with me on Friday night? Y'all can't go anywhere else. Personalizing. Personalizing is seeing yourself as more involved in negative events than you really are. Personalizing is seeing yourself as more involved in negative events than you really are. For example, a student drops out of college and the mother concludes that it's all her fault. A husband takes full responsibility for his spouse's fatigue or anger or for divorce. And these examples, the ego is so involved that each event becomes a test of worth. There are two helpful antidotes to this distortion. Come on, we're dealing with these distortions tonight. Somebody's going to sleep good. It's going to feel like you left confession. Two helpful antidotes to this distortion. Number one, distinguish influences from causes. Distinguish influences from causes. Sometimes we can influence the decisions of others, but the final decision is theirs and not ours. Stop personalizing everything. Distinguish influence from causes, free yourself. Look realistically for influences outside of yourself. For example, instead of thinking what's wrong with me, why can't I do this? One might say, this is a difficult task. The help I need isn't here. It's noisy and I'm tired. Instead of thinking, why is he snapping at me? One might say, maybe I'm not the central character. Maybe he's mad at the world today. Stop personalizing. Because you have low self-esteem, you personalize everything. You think because you got up late that you caused this problem for somebody else. You think because you were helping this person, this bad thing happened because you personalize everything. Amen, brother James. Stop over personalizing. All right, come on. I asked y'all to get y'all pen in your journals. Now I got to look in the house here and see what y'all got going on. Get it out and start writing. I will stop over personalizing. Stop it. You are not God. And that's why you're exhausted and you're tired and you're sick and you're overweight. And we can't walk 30 minutes because we're carrying so much weight on us because we over personalize everything. God complexes in the worst way. Stop over personalizing. And then I want you to stop blaming stop blaming. Blaming is the opposite of personalizing. Whereas personalizing puts all the responsibility on yourself for your difficulties. Blaming puts it all on something outside of yourself. Consider these examples. He makes me so mad. He makes me so mad. The same person that you told I'll do what I want to do and you ain't going to control me. Now, all of a sudden, he makes, he makes. Do y'all hear the the action word there? It's not even anger. He makes. She has ruined my life and my self-esteem. We've all said these things, right? sounds pretty normal. I am a loser because of my crummy childhood. I know I've sure felt that way. I sure felt that way because they had no plans for my future. You just brought me in here because my father wanted two children and boop, here we are with no name of significance for our future, no spiritual meaning over us, brought into the world with no faith to believe in, no college fund put away, <clears throat> no life insurance left for us to carry out, knowing they had us when they was 40 and 60 and had to figure out all of this stuff on our own. Man, I used to say, if I could have been born to another family, where would I be? The problem with blaming, much like catastrophizing, is that it tends to make us think of ourselves as helpless and powerless. Helpless and powerless victims who are too powerless to cope. The antidote to blaming is to acknowledge outside influences, but to also take responsibility for your own welfare. Yes, his behavior was unjust and unfair. I need help with this one. But I don't have to turn bitter and cynical. I am better than that. Remember I talked about that? I talked about that on night one, that when you have a healthy self-esteem, you have self-respect. And when you have self-respect, there's some things you will not do and will not say, even to hurt someone else as a comparative to the hurt they put on you. You just cannot do it because of the level of self-respect and self-love that you have for yourself. So instead... His behavior was unjust and unfair, but I don't have to turn bitter and cynical. I am better than that. Notice that the person with self-esteem is free to assume realistic responsibility. He will acknowledge what his responsibility and what is not. However, when one takes responsibility, it is for a behavior or a choice Not for being bad to the core. Thus, one might say, I performed poorly on that exam because I did not study enough. Next time, I'm going to plan it better. There's no judging of your core self, only judging the behavior. If we could get free on that one right there. If we can get free on that one right there. What is that one I'm talking about? Judging the behavior and not the individual. Come on, I'm done. I'm seeing your comments. I felt like I was really in your face tonight. I'm leaning all in on my desk. Wow. How we doing? Only judge the behavior, not the individual. And I know when we hurt, ooh, that venom comes out and we start acting like that snake in the Garden of Eden. But as we continue to work on our self-esteem, I expect you to judge yourself and to see that even though he did this, 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 and he did it and he's guilty, you can choose your own behavior. And if you act like a wretched mess, then you probably, if you act like a cussing fool, then you probably, and you need to say, ha, I didn't know that was in there. But man, he took me to the moon today or she took me to the moon today. Now I know what I thought was dead was only dormant because as soon as somebody watered that thing, ooh, that old flesh rose up in me and that cannot be a part of who I am because I can control the destination of my mind. All right. Come on, lift your hands tonight. Father, we thank you for this teaching. We thank you for the leading and the guiding of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that you've had our hearts in your hands for these seven days. We ask for your will to be done, Father, that you would make us over in your glorious image where we will have the character and the personality of you, that we would love ourselves as you have told us so that we will be better and able to love our neighbors. Father, we are praying for these next 23 days that not our will, but thy will be done. Develop us as mature individuals that are able to take compliments, that are able to stop Overgeneralizing, that we're able to stop blaming. We are able to stop personalizing. We are able to stop with this comparison. We are able to stop rejecting the positive in our life. We are able to stop dwelling on the negative. I will not label my life. I will not have an all or nothing mentality. I will stop assuming. I will stop with the should and the would haves and the could And I will erase every fairy tale fantasy from my mind in Jesus' name. And I will be accountable for my actions and I will do better because I'm on here committed and I want everything I can get from this teaching. Increase the anointing on this teacher, oh God, that your anointing will flow through these airways and those hearts that have been hard and bitter and harsh and caught up with rejection and abandonment and misunderstanding due to a lack of self-esteem from childhood, Father. It doesn't matter what parent we came through. You are our Abba, Father. We ask for your DNA. We ask for your blood. We ask for your atonement. We ask for your anointing, oh God, that we might please you, Father, in everything that we do. Father, because of our obedience to you, I ask that you open doors that no man can open. And then therefore no man can close in the lives to those that have committed to these days. Father, I ask father that the windows of heaven be opened over the lives of those who are listening and hearing to this recording and who are acting according to obedience to the teaching that is coming over this airway. And father, I apply the blood over each and every one today and in the future who needs a reset from the unforgiveness and pain that is in their life, from the traumas, the mismanagement of the household, the lack of leadership from the father, the lack of nurturing from the mother. God, it's your blood in us now. We are believers of Yeshua Messiah. If there's anyone on here tonight, whether tonight is uh, January 8th, 2021, or somewhere in the future, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and savior, I ask that you just lift your hands now and say, Father, there's no one here to walk me through this, but I believe there's something better for my life. And I believe that I came across this by divine intervention. This wasn't an incident or an accident. It wasn't by chance that I was prophetically, strategically set up by those who have already gone before me, that have prayed for me, that others would find this recording and be free by the power and the supernatural calling that comes from God. I pray the spirit of increase upon your people. I pray for a spirit of healing, forgiveness, and that our heart be renewed in you again. In Christ Jesus, this is your apostles prayer, Father. In Jesus name, amen. We're going home. That means the virtual is going off. And we're going to rest with this cloak of anointing and power of us. I hope to see you all in church on Sunday. Before that, I'll see you back on here tomorrow for day eight, for 30 days of detoxing our soul to get the soul solution so that we can live our best life now. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. God bless you. God bless you and good night. Let it. Out. Dr. Suzanne Howard is happy to have shared this time with you. To get more information on solutions and personal development, coaching, and counseling of the soul, go to www.suzannemhoward.com. You can also find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Periscope. Thank you for tuning in with us.